Section fifteen of Cleek of Scotland Yard by Thomas W. Hanshew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twelve. Lady Mary made a faint moaning sound. The Major's face was a study. I don't know whether you're a wizard or not, Mr. Cleek, he said after a moment, but you have certainly hit upon the fact of the matter. It is for that very reason that I have refrained from making the affair public. It is bad enough that Lady Mary and I should have our suspicions regarding the identity of the person implicated without letting others share them. There's Dawson Blake, for one. If he knew, he'd move heaven and earth to ruin him. Dawson Blake, repeated Cleek. Pardon, but will that be the particular Sir Gregory Dawson Blake, the millionaire brewer who achieved a knighthood in the last honours list? and whose horse tarantula is second favourite for the coming derby yes the very man he is almost what you might call a neighbour of ours mr cleek his place castle claverdale is just over the borderline of northumberland and about five miles distant from morcan abbey his stables are if anything superior to my own and we both use the intervening moorland as a training ground also it was dawson blake's daughter that lieutenant chadwick played fast and loose with jilted her you know threw her over at the eleventh hour and married a chorus girl who had nothing to bless herself with but a pretty face and a long line of lodging-house ancestry not that miss dawson blake lost anything by getting rid of such a man before she committed the folly of tying herself to him for life but her father never forgave Lieutenant Chadwick, and would spend a million for the satisfaction of putting him behind bars. I see. And this Lieutenant Chadwick is whom, may I ask? The only son of my elder and only sister, Mr. Cleek, supplied Lady Mary with a faint blush. She committed the folly of marrying her music-master when I was but a little girl, and my father died without ever looking at her again subsequently her husband deserted her and went she never learnt where to the day of her death while she lived however both my brother lord chevelmere and i saw that she never wanted for anything we also supplied the means to put her son through sandhurst after we had put him through college and hoped that he would repay us by achieving honour and distinction it was a vain hope. He achieved nothing but disgrace. Shortly after his deplorable marriage with the theatrical person for whom he threw over Miss Dawson Blake, and who in turn threw him over when she discovered what a useless encumbrance he was, he was cashiered from the army, and has ever since been a hanger-on at race-meetings, the consort of touts, billiard-markers, card-sharpers, and people of that sort. I had not seen him for six years, when he turned up suddenly in this neighbourhood three days ago, and endeavoured to scrape acquaintance with one of the Abbey grooms. "'And under an assumed name, Mr. Cleek,' supplemented the Major somewhat excitedly. "'He was calling himself John Clark, and was trying to wheedle information regarding Highland Lassie out of my stable-boys.' fortunately lady mary caught sight of him without being seen and at once gave orders that he was to be turned off the premises and never allowed to come near them again 
he was known however to be in this neighbourhood up to dusk on the following evening but he has never been seen since highland lassie disappeared you know now perhaps why i have elected to conduct everything connected with this affair with the utmost secrecy little as we desire to be in any way associated with such a man we cannot but remember that he is connected with us by ties of blood and unless farrow dies of his injuries which god forbid we will hush the thing up cost what it may all that i want is to get the animal back not to punish the man if indeed he be the guilty party for there is really no actual proof of that but if dawson blake knew it would be different he would move heaven and earth to get the convict's broad arrow on him and to bring disgrace upon everybody connected with the man hmm i see said cleek puckering up his brows and thoughtfully stroking his chin so that naturally there is with this added to the rivalry of the two horses no very good blood existing between sir gregory dawson blake and yourself no there is not if apart from these things mr cleek you want my private opinion of the man it can be summed up in the word bounder there is not one instinct of the gentleman about him he is simply a vulgar money-gilded low-minded cad and i wouldn't put it beyond him to be mixed up in this disappearance of the filly himself but that i know chadwick was about the place and for there to be anything between chadwick and him is as impossible as it is for the two poles to come together or for oil to assimilate with water that is the one thing in this world that dawson blake would not do under any circumstances whatsoever beyond that i put nothing beneath the man nothing too despicable for him to attempt in the effort to gain his own end and aim he races not for the sport of the thing but for the publicity the glory of getting talked about and of making the vulgar stare he wants the blue ribbon of the turf for the simple fame of the thing and he'd buy it if buying it were possible and either bribes or trickery could carry off the race hmm that's a sweeping assertion major but made upon a basis of absolute fact mr cleek he has twice endeavoured to buy farrow to desert me by an offer of double wages and a pension and failing that only last week he offered my jockey ten thousand pounds cash on the nail to slip over to france on the night before derby day and promised him a further five thousand if tarantula carried off the race oh ho said cleek in two different tones and with a look of supremest contempt so our tin-plate knight is that sort of a sportsman is he the cad and having failed to get hold of the rider hmm yes it is possible perhaps chadwick's turning up at such a time might be a mere coincidence a mere tout's trick to get inside information beforehand or well you never can tell suppose major you give me the facts from the beginning 
when was the animal's loss discovered and how let me have the full particulars please the major sighed and dropped heavily into a chair for an affair of such far-reaching consequences mr cleek he said gloomily it is singularly bald of what might be called details i'm afraid and beyond what i have already told you there is really very little more to tell when or how the deed was committed it is impossible to decide beyond the indefinite statement that it happened the night before last at some time after half-past nine in the evening when the stable-boy dulish before going home carried a pail of water at farrow's request into the building where highland lassie's stall is located and five o'clock the next morning when captain mctavish strolled into the stables and found the mare missing a moment please who is captain mctavish and why should the gentleman be strolling about the abbey stable-yard at five o'clock in the morning both questions can be answered in a few words captain mctavish is a friend who is stopping with us he is a somewhat famous naturalist writes articles and stories on bird and animal life for the magazines it is his habit to be up and out hunting for specimens and things of that sort every morning just about dawn at five he always crosses the stable-yard on his way to the dairy where he goes for a glass of fresh milk before breakfast i see captain a young man or an old one? Oh, young of course about two or three-and-thirty i should say brother of a deceased army pal of mine been stopping with us for the past two months very brilliant and very handsome chap universal favourite wherever he goes thanks now just one more question before you proceed please about the train of farrow getting the stable-boy to carry in that pail of water would not that be a trifle unusual at such a time of the night i don't know yes perhaps it would i never looked at it in that light before very likely not stables would be closed and all the grooms etc off duty for the night at that hour would they not yes that is unless farrow had reason for asking one of them to help him with something that's what he did by the way with the boy dulish just so any idea what he wanted with that pail of water at that hour of the night he couldn't be going to water one of the horses of course and it is hardly likely that he intended to take on a stableman's duties and wash up the place oh gravy no he's a trainer not a slosh bucket i pay him eighteen hundred a year and give him a cottage besides married man or a single one single a widower about forty lost his wife two years ago rather thought he was going to take another one shortly from the way things looked but of late he and maggie mcfarland don't seem for some reason or another to be hitting it off together so well as they did who's maggie mcfarland please one of the dairymaids a little scotch girl from nairn who came into service at the abbey about a twelvemonth ago hm i see then the filly isn't the only highland lassie in the case it would seem pardon oh nothing merely a weak attempt to say something smart that's all don't suppose that maggie mcfarland could by any possibility throw light upon the subject of that pail of water do you major 
"'Good lud, no. Of course she couldn't. What utter rot. "'But see here. Come to think of it now, perhaps I can. "'It's as like as not that he wanted it to wash himself with "'before he went over to the shewers at Shefford and Old Cross with Chocolate Maid.' "'I forgot to tell you, Mr. Cleek, that ever since Dawson Blake made that attempt to buy him off, Farrow became convinced that it wouldn't be safe to leave Highland Lassie unguarded night or day, for fear of that cad's hirelings getting at her in some way or another, so he closed up his cottage and came to live in the rooms over the filly's stable, so as to be on the spot for whatever might or might not happen at any hour.' He also bought a yapping little Scotch terrier that would bark if a match fell, and kept it chained up in the place with him. When the discovery of the filly's disappearance was made, that dog was found still attached to its chain, but as dead as Maria Martin. It had been poisoned. There was a bit of meat lying beside the body, and it was literally smothered in strychnine. Quite so. "'Keep strychnine about the place for killing rats, I suppose?' "'Yes, of course. "'They are a perfect pest about the granary and the fodder bins. "'But, of course, it wouldn't be lying round loose, a deadly thing like that. "'Besides, there never was any kept in that particular section of the stables, "'so the dog couldn't have got hold of it by accident. "'Then there's another thing I ought to tell you, Mr. Cleek. Highland Lassie never was stabled with the rest of the stud. We have always kept her in one especial stable. There are just two whacking big box stalls in the place. She occupies one, and Chocolate Maid the other. Chocolate Maid is Lady Mary's personal property, a fine-blooded filly that will make a name for herself one of these days, I fancy. Dark-coated and smooth as a piece of sealskin, the beauty. "'Today she is the only animal in that unlucky place. "'Yes, come to think of it, Mr. Cleek,' he added with a sort of sigh. "'That is probably what the poor fellow wanted the pail of water for, "'to wash up and ride her over to the forge at Shepperton Old Cross.' "'Singular time to choose for such a proceeding, wasn't it, Major? "'After half-past nine o'clock at night?' "'It would be if it were any other man, and under any other circumstances. "'But remember, it is but three weeks to Derby Day, "'and every hour of daylight is worth so much gold to us. "'Farrow knew that he could not spare a moment of it for any purpose, "'and he is most particular over the shoeing. "'Will see it done himself and direct the operation personally. "'Sort of mania with him.' "'wouldn't let the best man that ever lived "'take one of the horses over for him. "'Go himself, no matter what inconvenience it put him to. "'Farrier at Shepperton Old Cross knows his little fads and fancies "'and humours them at all times. "'Would open the forge and fire up for him "'if it were two o'clock in the morning.' "'I see. "'And did he take chocolate made over there on that night after all?' "'Yes.' "'Lady Mary and I attended a whist-drive at Farmingdale Priory that evening, "'but her ladyship was taken with a violent headache, "'and we had to excuse ourselves and leave early. "'It would be about a quarter to eleven o'clock when we returned to the Abbey "'and met Farrow riding out through the gates on Chocolate Maid. "'We stopped and spoke to him. 
He was then going over to the Shewers with the mare. How long would it take him to make the journey? Oh, about five and twenty minutes, maybe half an hour, certainly not more. So then it would be about quarter past eleven when he arrived at the farrier's? I see. Any idea at what time he got back? Not the ghost of one. In fact, we should never have known that he ever did get back, for nobody heard a sound of his return the whole night long, were it not that when Captain McTavish crossed the stable-yard at five o'clock in the morning and seeing the door ajar looked in, he found Chocolate Maid standing in her stall, the dog dead and Highland Lassie gone. Of course, Chocolate Maid being there after he had passed Farrow on the road with her was proof that he did return at some hour of the night, you know, though when it was, or why he should have gone out again, heaven alone knows. Personally, you know, I am of the opinion that Highland Lassie was stolen while he was absent, that on returning he discovered the robbery, and following the trail went out after the robbers, and coming up with them got his terrible injuries that way. Hmm, yes, I don't think. What trail was he to find, please, when you just now told me that there wasn't so much as a hoof-print to tell the tale? Or was that an error? No, it wasn't. The entire stable-yard is paved with red tiles, and we've had such an uncommon spell of dry weather lately that the earth of the surrounding country has baked as hard as a brickbat. An elephant wouldn't make a footmark upon it, much less a horse. But gravy, man, instead of making the thing clearer, I'm blessed if you're not adding gloom to darkness and rendering it more mysterious than ever. What under the four corners of heaven could Farrow have followed, then, if the trail is to be eliminated entirely? Maybe his own inclination, Major. Maybe nothing at all, said Cleek enigmatically. If your little theory of his returning and finding Highland Lassie stolen were a thing that would hold water, I am inclined to think that Mr. Tom Farrow would have raised an alarm that you could hear for half a mile, and that if he had started out after the robbers, he would have done so with a goodly force of followers at his heels, and with all the lanterns and torches that could be raked and scraped together. Good lad, yes, of course he would. I never thought of that. Did you, Mary? His whole heart and soul were bound up in the animal. If he had thought that anything had happened to her, if he had known that she was gone, a pit full of raging devils would have been spirits of meekness beside him. Man alive, you make my head whiz. For him to go off over the moor without word or cry at such a time. I say, Mr. Cleek, for God's sake, what do you make of such a thing as that at such a time, eh? Well, Major, replied Cleek, I hate to destroy any man's illusions and to besmirch any man's reputation, but, que voulez-vous, if Mr. Tom Farrow went out upon that moor after the mare was stolen and went without giving an alarm or saying a word to anybody, then in my private opinion your precious trainer is nothing in the world but a precious double-faced double-dealing dishonourable blackguard who treacherously sold you to the enemy and got just what he deserved by way of payment major norcross made no reply 
he simply screwed up his lips until they were a mere pucker of little creases, and looked round at his wife with something of the pain and hopeless bewilderment of an unjustly scolded child. "'You know, Seaton, it was what Captain MacTavish suggested,' ventured she, gently and regretfully. "'And when two men of intellect—' <sighs> Then she sighed and let the rest go by default. "'Damn it, Mary! You don't mean to suggest that I haven't any, do you?' "'No, dear, but—' "'Buts be blowed! Don't you think I know a man when I run foul of him? And if ever there was a square-dealing honest chap on this earth—look here, Mr. Cleek! Gad, you may be a bright chap and all that—' "'But you'll have to give me something a blessed sight stronger than mere suspicion "'before you can make me believe a thing like that about Tom Farrow.' "'I am not endeavouring to make you believe it, Major. "'I am merely showing you what would certainly be the absolute truth of the matter "'if Tom Farrow had done what you suggested "'and gone out on that moor alone and without a word or a cry "'when he discovered that the animal was stolen.' "'But, my dear sir, I incline to the belief that he never did go out there after any person or any living thing whatsoever.' "'Then dash it, sir! How in thunder are you going to explain his being there at all?' "'By the simple process, Major, of suggesting that he was on his way back to the Abbey at the time he encountered his unknown assailant. In other words, that he had not only never returned to the place after you and her ladyship saw him leaving it at a quarter to eleven, but was never permitted to do so. Oh, come, I say, that's laying it on too thick. How the dickens can you be sure of such a thing as that? I'm not. I'm merely laying before you the only two things possible to explain his presence there. One or the other of them is the plain and absolute truth. If the man went out there after the filly was stolen, he is a scoundrel and a liar. If he is innocent, he met with his injuries on the way back to his quarters above Highland Lassie's stall. But the other animal, but Chocolate Maid, how could she have got back to the stable then? She couldn't have found her way back alone after Farrow was assaulted. At least she could, of course, but not in the condition she was in when found next morning. She had no harness of any sort upon her. Her saddle was on its peg. She was in her box, tied up, begad, and the door of the box was closed and bolted, so that if, by any chance— Hello, I say, what on earth are you smiling in that queer way for? Hang it, man! Do you believe that I don't know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes, Major— it isn't that kind of a smile. I have just discovered that four and four make eight when you add them up properly, and the smile is one of consequent satisfaction. A last question, please. At what time in the morning was Farrow found lying unconscious upon the moor? Somewhere between six and seven o'clock. Why? Oh, nothing in particular. Who found him? Captain MacTavish? No, Maggie MacFarland. She was just coming back from milking when— 
Hang it, man. I wish you wouldn't smile all up one side of your face in that confounded manner. It makes me think that you must have something up your sleeve. Well, if I have, Major, suppose you drive me over to the stables and give me a chance to take it out suggested cleek serenely a little poking about sometimes does wonders and a half hour in highland lassie's quarters may pick the puzzle to pieces a great deal sooner than you'd believe or stop perhaps on second thought it will be better for you and her ladyship to go on ahead as i shall want to have a look at tom farrow's injuries as well so it will be best to have everything prepared in advance in order to save time no doubt mr narkom and i can get a conveyance of some sort here at any rate <clears throat> it is now a quarter to three i see at any rate you may certainly expect us at quarter past five you and her ladyship may go back quite openly major there will be no need to attempt to throw dust in sir gregory dawson blake's eyes any longer by keeping the disappearance of the animal a secret. If he's had a hand in her spiriting away, he knows, of course, that she's gone. But if he hasn't, oh, well, I fancy I know who did, and that she will be in the running on Derby Day after all. A few minutes in Highland Lassie's stable will settle that, I feel sure. Your ladyship, my compliments. Major, good afternoon. I hope if night overtakes us before we get at the bottom of the thing you can manage to put us up at the abbey until to-morrow that we may be on the spot to the last with pleasure mr cleek said lady mary and bowed him out of the room End of section fifteen